So have you ever had anybody tell you that you are pathetic? Have, have you ever had anybody, by the words that they say, make you feel about this tall? You know, they, they, uh, they tell you that you're not worth anything, that, that uh, you know, I don't know, God made a mistake when he made you. I mean, have you ever heard anybody say anything like that to you? Uh, it's pretty discouraging, isn't it, when people talk to us or about us like that? In fact, I, I believe that discouragement is one of the number one weapons that Satan uses in our lives today. If, if he can discourage us, if he can get us to think that, that, that we aren't worth anything, then I think he's won a, a, a great big battle in, in our life. Um, and he'll use people and circumstances and consequences um, to beat us down, to convince us that, that, we are, that we're no good. That there isn't anything about us that is worth anything. I mean, uh, words like worthless and terrible and stupid and failure. That's the message that he wants to convince you. And in our culture today, you combine that with the fact that just about everything that we do and how we live our lives is based on, on performance. It's, it's based on production, accomplishment. You know, you're, you, you ask anybody when, when you meet them for the first time, so um, tell me a little bit about yourself. What's the first thing, generally speaking, that they might tell you their name, but then they generally tell you what they do, um, where they find significance in their life. And oftentimes, it is our work. It, it is what we do or what we've accomplished or, or what we've done. And, and we sort of base our self-worth on those things. And, and so when we fail, when we come up short, when we, when we try something and, and we don't do it, we hear that little voice in the back that says, see, I told you you couldn't do it. Or see, you shouldn't have tried it. Or, you know, never do that again. Or you're terrible. Or you're worthless. Or you're no good. And in our culture, when you combine those two things, that sense of worth based on accomplishment, because um, God doesn't, uh, God doesn't, judge us or or value us any more or less on what we accomplish or don't accomplish in life, how we perform in the things that we do. You know, have you ever have you ever had that awkward moment when when one of your teams, right, like say a, a girls basketball team or a track team or a soccer team, whatever whatever the case may be, um, you know, you've been cheering them on, it's been a great season, you've been cheering them on, and they get to that final game and they're in the championship and they end up second. And you go out on the court, and, and you're proud of them, but it just kind of seems a little weird to say, man, we're just really proud of you for getting second place, doesn't it? Because, because, because they're thinking, and you're thinking, well, our ultimate goal of accomplishment and performance was to win. And when we don't, you know, sometimes we forget about the fact that, that there's a lot of growth in the last, you know, six months of that team's existence, and, and there were great, uh, there were great personal um, hurdles reached, and, and that, there, that, that it was a, that how many teams, you know, are runner-up at state, whatever, not very many, and 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 there needs, you know, we need to be proud, I guess, of that too, you know, that that. Um, You ever had that moment when you wonder if you should tell a story or not? Um, it's not on the paper. I'm, I'm not going to tell it. 
it because these people right over here are thankful right now in this very moment that I'm not telling the story. All right. Um, here's the thing. Oh, wow. Wow, do it, do it. Okay, I'm going to do it. Um, my son just finished his first um, year at the University of Wyoming. And, uh, you know, he worked very hard and he studied very hard. <sighs> now you did it. And I'm, I'm very, I was very pleased by that, how hard he worked. And, and it was very tough for him uh, initially, you know, and, um, but, but he pushed through the whole change thing, you know, moving to a new place and all that. And um, he was a little bit nervous about his grades this second semester. You know, he got all A's first semester and he thought he was going to get a B second semester. Uh, right? And uh, so he was nervous about that. And I was thinking in my own head before he found out, what am I going to say to him if he gets the B? And what am I going to say to him if he gets all A's? Because I'm just as pleased and just as proud of him, regardless of how he scored on his calc two. And, and, you know, it was late one night, and I get this text message, hey, I just checked my grades. I got all A's, and I was excited for him, and he was excited. But, you know, I felt like I needed to qualify this, because I didn't want him to think I was only pleased and proud of him because he got all A's. <laughs> because I wasn't. Honestly, he could have got all B's. And, the, and as hard as he worked and studied and all that, just as... You know, it's not this, this you got to produce, right? It's, it's just be yourself and work hard. And the way it turns out is the way it turns out. And honestly, that's kind of where it's at, where we're at in our relationship with the Lord. You know, he doesn't love you any more or less based on if you fail or perform well in whatever you're doing in life. Um, and I think we're going to see that. I, I think we also see, uh, turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to begin uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12 um, this morning. Um, all of the people that are standing around Jesus out here listening to him preach and teach, life's not all that great for them. I mean, they've been occupied by a foreign country or hauled off to exile for hundreds of years by this time. You know, it's been over 400 years. Um, since God has even really spoken to them. And, and, and here they are uh, listening to Jesus and, and his sermon on the mount. There are oppressed people. They're, they're, they're being occupied. Their country. They're sick. They're disabled. And, and they're all in the crowd. And they're struggling in life. And, and it's hard. And I think they too um, could succumb to, to this thought that, that they weren't worth anything. They're the outcasts. You know, there were even times when, when, when uh, the Israelites were carried off to exile, they didn't carry them all off. They only carried off the ones that they thought were useful, and they left everyone else behind. How would that make you feel? Gee, I'm not even good enough to be carried off to exile, right? I mean, um, that's who Jesus is speaking to. He's speaking to these people. And, and uh, they heard uh, that that Jesus, this man, has been, been preaching, and of course we know that he was God, and and uh, that, that they heard that he speaks with authority and it's different than our teachers of the law and that he was healing people. And so they all go out to check it out and they, they all go out to hear Jesus. And, and Jesus begins his sermon on the mount. And as we read scripture and as we read what we're going to read today, we see that we are anything but worthless. We are, we are unworthy, okay, but we are not worthless. We are not 
worthless. Now, the world, on the other hand, does a pretty good job of convincing us that, that we just don't cut it. Don't. In, in fact, um, if, if we thought and we were convinced that we had everything in life, we would never buy anything, right? I mean, that, that's the whole culture that's out there trying to make us feel like we're missing something. So that we want something or, or, or need something or to, to have that drive. Um, you know, that, that we are, in fact, I think, worthless. Is there, I wonder if there's anybody in this room that's ever felt like they were worthless at one point in time in your life. I think all of us. We've all felt that way. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, those of you who are, who are in Christ Jesus, have you ever felt worthless post-salvation? Because here's the truth of the matter. You're not. You're not. You may feel like it. You may, you may, you may think that. It's not true. It is not true. Um, you see, those who are believers, those who are in Christ, are new creatures. You, um, the, the old has gone, then the new has come. We've been justified by Christ. We are blessed. We are blessed. As, and as Christ followers, we are children. Think about this. You, as a Christ follower, are a child of the living God. You have been adopted into His family. You are an heir as anyone else who's ever been a part or will be a part of the kingdom of God. It's a matter if you're, if you're two days old or you're 7,000 days old when it comes to your life in Christ. Same, same, um, you are an heir. But we don't feel like that all the time, do we? We don't feel like that all the time. And, and I want to propose to you this morning that, that we don't feel like that because our feelings deceive us, because our mind and how we use it plays tricks on us. Um, you see, we, we can't trust our minds. We can't trust our feelings. We can't trust our emotions because they're wishy-washy. They, they, they have great power in our life. You know, anger and, and some of those emotions, love, um, forgiveness, those things have great power. Those emotions have great power in our life, but they can deceive us. They can trick us. We can't always trust them. And you may disagree with me this morning. You may say, well, I think my, per my mind works perfectly. I don't think my mind has ever deceived me. Well, I want to show you something, because I'm going to prove to you that your mind can deceive you. Now, um, let's see. I had a couple people come. I'll just ask you out there. Everybody can see this, right? Um, just tell me things about this picture that you see right here. Just observations. What's that? Yeah, that's what I thought. It kind of looks like a chair. looks kind of like an airplane seat, huh? Actually, it's probably about that right size too, huh? Yeah. Um, other things? It what? Okay, it looks like a wallet. What about the colors? Okay, there's there's dirt. There's two different colors of gray, right? A darker one and a lighter one, right? I, uh, let me let me just ask a raise of hands. Who says that there's two different colors of gray there? Okay, raise your hands. Okay, now, let me, let me show you something. All of you who trust your minds, 
Now, do they look like two different colors of gray? You know why they don't look like two different colors of gray? Because they're the same color. Different colors of gray. Same color. You trust your mind, right? You used to. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Your mind is looking at the different shadows. and there's this, there's this TV show called Brain Games, and it's on Netflix. You can, you can search it and watch it. This is on the very first episode. And, and they talk about how our minds, when, they, when, when we see information and they read information, that it sort of fills in the gaps and makes things up. That mind that you trust, right? Those feelings that you trust. Um, this, this little bit of white here, this shadow, and this dark shadow here, what your mind is sort of assuming is that... that I don't remember the explanation on this one. But, but there's... It thinks that this is in the shadow and this is not, so one is lighter than the other. Your mind is thinking that. But they're not. They're the same color. So, again... I, I use that illustration to show us that we can't trust our feelings. We can't trust our minds. We, we have to hear the Word of God and trust it, no matter what we feel like, no, what, no matter what our circumstances seem to be dictating to us. We need to hear what the Lord says. You know, um, our feelings, anger, hurt, and love, and joy, and discouragement, feeling worthless, feeling alone. I mean, I've attended funerals of friends who thought they were worthless. Who didn't think they had anything positive to contribute to the world, and so they took their own life. And the last one of those funerals that I was at, all of the family members, it was, I think it was even in the program, it said if he could have only thought, if he could have only seen himself the way everyone else saw him. He was listening to his heart, I guess, or his circumstance, not the truth. And we need to be cautious about that. Sometimes that comes from other people. Sometimes it comes from circumstances. Sometimes it's how circumstances work themselves out. And we think to ourselves, well, God, you know, the title of today's message is blessed. Oh, I'm certainly not blessed. I can't be. It's too, life is too tough. It's too rough. It just doesn't look right. Okay, one more. If, if I didn't convince you on that one, okay, I want to convince you on this one. Um, who wants to help me? You don't want to come up here? Come here. All right. I just need you to, to look at this tape measure up here, and we just need to make sure. Here, I'll hold it this direction. Come up here. How... Uh, how wide is that pipe right there? 21 inches. Say it loud so everybody can hear you. All right. How wide is this pipe right here? 21 inches. Okay. You, you can go sit down. Thank you. Do those pipes look the same length? They're exactly the same length. They're cut exactly the same length. Those pipes are the same length. Okay. I'm telling you, Do they look the same length to you now? 
Isn't that weird? Kind of gives me the willies, actually. So the top one looks longer, right? Why? Because it's not. And because because your mind is trying to make them fit right, correctly. It's like, well, that one's further away now, so I need to make it bigger. Your mind is doing that. You're not making your mind do that. In fact, you kind of want your mind to stop, right? No, it's not right. Still, let's see. Just, yep, 21 inches. Yep, plastic pipe did not stretch. Okay, we can't, we can't trust our minds. Right, so now let's go to, to God's Word. Matthew chapter 5. I think it's page 958 in the, the, the Bibles under the, under the chairs, if you didn't bring a Bible. Okay, verse 1. Jesus begins, or Jesus isn't talking here, it's narr- narration. Now, when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside, and he sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying... Now, before, I want, before we continue, I, I want to remind us, um, that in the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to see lots of commands. Jesus is going to give lots of commands. He is. There's things that Jesus says, if you want to live a good life, these are the decisions you need to make. These are the choices you need to, to have in your life. This is what you need to value. And we're going to read those, and we're going to see that they're fairly contrary to how our culture lives today. And, and that it's going to be a radical thing for us if we're not already... To, to decide to follow Jesus in the things that He's commanding us to live life. But, but here in the first 12 verses, these are not commands. These are not commands. Um, Jesus is not saying, do these things. These things are a part of our life. Okay? Um, they're often preached as if-then statements. They're often preached as, if you are poor in spirit, then the kingdom of heaven will be yours. If you are meek, then you will inherit the earth. That's not what Jesus is saying. And I'll explain a little bit more after we read the rest. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, in both the Hebrew and the Greek, there are two words that are translated into our English word, blessed. Okay? Um, and the two Greek words mirror the two Hebrew words. The, the two Greek words, the first one is eulogio. Okay? And this is a word that, is, that would be used in a prayer, um, or, and the worship leader would be asking God to bring a blessing on to the people. Lord, please bless us as we sit here in your presence. Lord, um, please bless so-and-so as they are sick. Please, please bless so-and-so's marriage as as they are struggling, or, or whatever the case may be. I mean, we've all prayed that, right? We've, we've all prayed, Lord, please bless somebody. Eulogio. 
Okay, that word is not a part of the, um, the Beatitudes, verses 1 through 12 here. Um, the other word that is found in the Beatitudes is makarios. Um, this word is not part of a wish or a desire to invoke a blessing by God on someone. Okay, it instead is a recognition of an already existing state of either happiness or good fortune in the person's life. It's something that's it's, it's acknowledging that this thing is already here. So Makarios affirms a quality of spirituality that is already present. Um, in a book called Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes, Kenneth Bailey explains it this way. In English, we communicate this sense of the word with a hyphen or an accent. Um, and this is what I mean. When saying, Miss so-and-so is a blessed person in our church, it's Miss so-and-so is a blessed hyphen ed person in our church. Okay, one is not asking for something for that person, but rather affirming a quality that they already have. They're a blessed person, blessed person. Um, it already exists in them. Um, and, and this is important because as a group, the Beatitudes do not mean that we are blessed, that blessed are the people who do X because they will receive Y. The point is not exhortation of a certain type of behavior. Instead, they should be read with the sense, look at the authentic spirituality and joy of these people who have or will have X. But again, this is really hard for us to live out because our feelings deceive us. And we struggle with this. We, uh, we think that because we are in a certain circumstance or we feel a certain way, that this couldn't possibly be true. I couldn't possibly be blessed by God right now. I mean, even, even in our own language, yesterday I was talking with someone and I told them of this good thing that was happening and uh, it was kind of a cool opportunity. And I said, and part of my response was, I am so blessed. To which I've been thinking about why don't I say that when something bad happens too? Because it's just as true. I am blessed. See, this, this, the, the blessing of God isn't that we, we receive some sort of positive thing from Him. It's a state, as Christ followers, that we are in. And the Beatitudes acknowledge that, affirm that, confirm that. Blessed, blessed is what we are. As Christ followers, you are already a child of God. What a blessing. It doesn't matter what's happening in your life. You're a child of God. You are blessed. Um, our names are already written in the book of life. We don't have to earn that. We are given that by God. He grants us that through his grace and his mercy. We can be happy. We can be affirmed in that truth. Are we always going to feel happy and feel joyful? There, there are a couple translations out there who translate that word blessed as happy. And if you think about happy, what is happy generally? It's an emotion, right? It's a feeling. I feel happy. Well, sometimes emotions deceive us. And even though we might not feel happy, we, we in a sense can be. Because we are blessed. That's what Jesus is saying here. It doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter how you feel sometimes. In God's eyes, 
It, it, this is the one thing. This is why there are no notes today. I, it, I didn't want to fill in the blanks. This is the one thing I want you to, to leave with today. It doesn't matter where you're at in your life as a Christ follower. You, in the eyes of God, you are blessed. Look at verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Have you ever felt poor in spirit? Have you ever... Um, one way to, to look at this particular part of this, this poor in spirit, is, is weak or lacking something. You know, it, it, it's not poor as in not money, or there, but there are a couple times in Scripture where it references that word for, for that, not having much. Mainly it refers to a spiritual state I mean, I've sure felt that at times, wondering if I could possibly make the right decision or if I didn't have bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. Or, I mean, we've all been there, right? I mean, been down on ourselves and discouraged. And Jesus is saying here, look, blessed are the poor in spirit. If you are in this place, you're still blessed. That's truth. For... And, and here's the reason why you're blessed. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. It's, as a Christ follower, it's yours today. It, it was yours the moment that you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. You became an heir to the kingdom. That is a blessed state. No matter how you feel, it's true for you and for me. But we need to remember that. We need to remember that our mind plays tricks on us. And that Satan wants to use some of those things to convince us that God doesn't care for us. Another way of uh, thinking about poor in spirit is having a proper attitude of humility and contriteness. And that certainly doesn't feel very good sometimes to be humble before the Lord and sort of just hear his discipline or whatever. You know, if that goes against our selfishness and our pride and our wanting, our cultures want for us to perform and to produce. But we can be poor in spirit and be blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Num verse number four, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I mean, you read that happy. Happy are those who mourn. Not happy. When I'm in a, a season of mourning, and, and mourning can be anything that's a major, you know, grief and mourning are anything that's a major change in your life. You know, the, the, one of the biggest, most major changes is the loss of somebody that's close to you, a husband or a wife or a son or a daughter or a, a parent. I mean, well, many of us know what that mourning feels like. But it could also be the loss of a job or the loss of a relationship or, or um, the loss of a dream, the loss of health. You know, something, something that you are mourning for, something that just doesn't feel right, that, that just, it, it makes you sad or, or unhappy. But we have to remember that, that we already, in a sense, have this comfort in our lives. We, we have a Savior that loves us, who is walking the process of life with us, who one day we know for sure, ultimately, there will be no tears. There will be no death. There will be no more sickness. But even today... We have already been comforted. We are blessed. We don't have to earn it. It's been given. 
It's been given to us. And when it comes to mourning, our feelings can really cause us to call God's control into question. I mean, Lord, do you really have a handle on this? Because it's just not feeling like it. Right? When my, when my mom died, um, you know, we, she had cancer and we prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. Lots of people prayed. Lord, heal Susan. Heal her. Heal her. Get this out of her life. Get this out of her life. And she, she went through the surgery and she went through the treatment and, and then a couple years later she was gone. And some people said, well, some people said, guess you didn't have enough faith. Well, I don't believe God caused the cancer. Um, however, I could probably be even pressed on that issue. I think cancer is the result of sin in our world. The breaking down, the decaying of life. Um, it brought that darkness in. Could God have touched my mom and healed her? Absolutely, he could have. But he chose not to. And at this point, I'm okay with that. Um, because he is God and I am not. His ways are not my ways. And if his ways were my ways, we'd all be screwed up. Truly. Um, I do, I can look back on that, and I, I, I can't be 100% about this, but I'm, I'm fairly certain that if my mom were still alive today, I wouldn't be standing right here. I, I, just, I just believe that. There was some growing up that God did in my life post-Susan Anderson that brought me to the point where I am today. And, and even in that process of her, her death, I mean, I wasn't bitter towards God. I, I was in a lot of pain and there was a lot of hurt and there was a lot of mourning. But, I mean, most of the time, as Christ followers, we just get this sense that the Lord is, is working here. It, it still hurts. But, but again, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. There is comfort. And we are, even if you are in the midst of mourning today, you are blessed. Verse 5, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now the crowd that Jesus was speaking to had experienced this state of being occupied for hundreds of years. Um, they were looking for a savior, a military savior, a leader to come in and to rise up and free their nation from their oppressors. And that's what they were hoping that Jesus would do. And I think that may be one of the reasons why Jesus put this in here for those who are listening. Blessed are the meek. You don't have to lord it over people. You don't have to rule people. You can be meek, mild, mild-mannered. You can, what some people would say, be a, you know, be a bath mat, be a doormat. And you are blessed. In fact, Jesus says, they will inherit the earth. Land and earth was a big deal for, for Israel, for Jews. Big deal. Land, property. And, and oftentimes, you know, there can be hostile takeovers and there can be, you know, highest bidders and that sort of thing to get land. Jesus saying, look, you're meek, you're blessed. In fact... You're not only blessed, but you will inherit the earth. Even in that meek state. It doesn't feel like it. 
That's not what we're taught. That's not what we're told. In some cases, that's not our experience. It's like those who step on people. They're the ones that get ahead, right? Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Do we really even know what it means to be hungry or thirsty? I mean, really. You know, you hear your kids say things like, I'm starving, right? Um, I've even said that a few times. I'm starving. Nah, I have no idea what it really means to starve. None. I, I really don't know what it means to be thirsty. Every hike, every walk I've ever gone on, we've taken water, I've had it, or it wasn't life-threatening. I mean, to really hunger and thirst, what would that mean for us? And then, what would it mean for us to really hunger and thirst for righteousness, for right things? Wanting it, desiring it. Do we always succeed? No. Are we hungering and thirsting for righteousness? I hope so. I hope we are. Do we always succeed? No. No, we fail. Does that make us worthless? No. In fact, even as we are hungering and we are thirsting for righteousness, we are not filled yet. We are still hungering for that. Jesus says you're blessed. You're blessed. Oh, I'm such a failure. I'm so worthless. No, no. You're blessed. Should we stop hungering and thirsting? No. <laughs> Keep hungering and thirsting for what's right. We still seek to be hungry and thirsty, but we must stop being discouraged and down when we fail. We repent, we seek forgiveness, and we recognize that we never stepped out of the blessing of God. It's a current state. It's a place where we are. Our feelings deceive us. We can think we're not, but we are. Verse 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Mercy isn't a trait that our culture really applauds today. I mean, ne neither does our culture seem to applaud um, people who are... Uh, who are uh, I lost my place in my notes. who are pure in heart, who are peacemakers. Not really applauded in our culture today. Jesus says, as you are merciful, even though people may take advantage of it, you need to remember that you are blessed. You have mercy. As a Christ follower, you've been given mercy. You have it. It's not something you earned. It's not something, I think, that, that you have to try to keep. It's not like an A... In, in class where you get that A from that first test and by golly, you better do good on the next one or it's going to slip down to a B and then it's going to slip down to a C if you don't do, do well, right? That's not the way God's mercy works. It's a good thing, isn't it? You ever been called a goody two-shoes? You ever been called, oh, we put you on your high horse? You think you're holier than everyone else? Well, I don't think I am. I'm trying to live righteously. I'm trying to do what's right. And, and I think there's a humble way to do that. I think there's also a, an arrogant and prideful way to do that. 
And if you're being arrogant and prideful about your righteousness, you need to be knocked off your high horse. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. The kingdom of heaven is ours for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's a simple fact. We are blessed. Verse 10, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now that doesn't mean that we should go seeking to be persecuted. Don't go looking to be a martyr. It will come. It will come. If you're trying to live righteously as a Christian, as a Christ follower in our culture today, the attacks will come. And, and I think with greater veracity as the years pass. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. There are other reasons for us to be persecuted and falsely accused, but um, the one that because of me, Jesus says, Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For the same way they persecuted the prophets who were, uh, who were before you. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. It's a, it's a, it's an already thing. It's, it's an already thing. Jesus says that 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 uh, Christianity. Um, he says right here, you're going to get the short end of the stick. The short end of public opinion, it's coming. But blessed are you when this happens. Gee, I don't feel very blessed. Exactly, I kind of make me... I don't like being ridiculed. I don't like being talked down to. I don't like being made to feel the way that I feel right now. Jesus says, blessed are you when people do this because of me persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Blessed are you. Remember that because your mind will play tricks on you and will want you to think something else. Let's remember what Jesus says. We are blessed. Life doesn't always feel blessed. But it is. Now we're going to see lots of commands as I said through the Sermon on the Mount. And... Uh, and as we go through those commands, we need to remember that it's impossible to live them out if we don't first recognize the fact that we are blessed, that we have God's power, Holy Spirit living in us. We are loved and blessed by God. We all want the American dream. We all want the good life, right? I mean, that's... But Jesus reassures us that the good life is found in unexpected places. The good life isn't always what culture says the good life is. It can be deceiving. We are actually experiencing the good life even when it doesn't feel like it, I think. As Christ followers, as those who are children of God. God's love is what ultimately produces the good life. And He loves all of us very deeply. Now, again... The Sermon on the Mount begins with blessings, not commands. Blessings for people who usually aren't. I mean, look through that list. Do they look, would those people look like people that are blessed? Jesus says they are. 
There are a lot more losers today than there are winners as far as our culture is concerned. But if you're a Christ follower, you're blessed. There are a lot more people who are poor and on the outside of society than those who are on top according to our culture. And yet Jesus' words ring true throughout the years. Regardless of what your world is saying right now, the truth of the matter is this, and this is what you need to leave with. In God's eyes, you are blessed. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Um, Thank you for your word. Thank you for how you created us. Uh, Father, I pray that, that we would recognize that even in difficult circumstances, you are God. You are in control. And we are blessed. That is a state that we are in. Help us to see that. Help us to recognize that. Encourage us with that this morning as we leave here. Now, Lord, we want to we want to worship you. It's this closing song, and we want to worship you with the giving of our tithes and our offerings. And we thank you. Uh, use us this week, Father, as blessed people to be salt and light into the lives of those that are around us each day. In Jesus' name, amen.